0: hi everybody welcome to the podcast this is the blizzard watch podcast uh we're doing a show about blizzard entertainment and other companies sometimes uh and their various games and i'm your host i'm matt with me this week are my fantabulous co-hosts uh liz harper and joe Perez. i almost did a halloween thing just then and i managed to steer myself away from it <laughs> it's amazing how my brain can grab this terrible idea and go matt do this like why am I doing a Halloween thing now? It's it's almost Christmas. It's not Halloween. You
1: know, yeah, I I was looking at the calendar today and I'm like, it's like 6 days until Christmas. How yep. did that happen? What
0: when they were asking time? When they were asking, do they know it's Christmas? The answer was no. No, they didn't know. Nobody knew. Maybe someone still thinks it's it's March. I I keep I keep thinking it's March 2020. <laughs> it keeps not being March 2020. It doesn't make any sense. But anyway, a uh, lot of stuff to talk about, some of which is, I mean, it's it's stuff. I, I don't know. I, I find myself very confused with what happened today. Uh, Blizzard dumped so a whole bunch of of coming World of Warcraft news, like including the schedule for 2024, which mm-hmm, if mm-hmm. the schedule for 2023 is anything to be based on, means that they will probably hit all of these targets in a relatively speedy time it also means that my fear that we were gonna get another miss of pandaria situation seems to be fairly unjustified because they yeah. they got it all blocked out I mean they don't actually have dates for some of it like there's no right. date are- yet on when season four is coming in but they definitely have it blocked out in the schedule um so yeah it's it was I was Blizzard. like very surprised to see it and I shouldn't have been because didn't they do this exactly <laughs> same thing last year like in 2022? Yeah, they did,
1: with the 2023 yeah, yeah. Okay, at the so. end of 2022, we got the 2023 roadmap, and we all—I think—I think I can speak for everyone here when I say we all thought it was insane. The remember, amount of content they planned yeah. to put out and we how were, rapidly they we seemed to plan to put it out. Yeah,
2: the the, the timing. I was, we...
1: I was wildly skeptical. Blizzard has never maintained a strong, consistent content schedule. Again and again, they've talked about they want to get expansions out more regularly. They want to get content out more regularly. And again and again, they have failed to do it. And in the past year, they have come in with patches every two months, like clockwork. And every patch is not just a tiny patch. It's a big patch with new story and new dungeons and new... There's Class so much stuff going on that I can't gear, give up.
2: Yeah. Yeah.
0: So it is simultaneously... I mean, heartening and a bit kind of astonishing that here we are a year after the first roadmap and here's roadmap number two and they've got the War Within right there on it. Yeah. Um, So they're there at this This point. They've even got the beta. I guess it was the alpha. I'm not sure, but they they have the open Uh, testing period for the War Within on the schedule.
1: I... I mean, this is just as an ambitious schedule as uh, as the 2023 roadmap. Mm-hmm. This starts with uh, seeds renewal 10.2.5 in winter 2024. Then it goes on to a mysterious surprise patch named 10 2.6 with a skull
2: and, no yeah. skull
0: and crossbones. No information. You know skull is. and crossbones. No information, but a skull
1: and crossbones. Then Dragonflight season four and the War Within Alpha. Patch 10.2.7, Dark Heart, The War Within Beta, War Within Pre-Patch, and uh, The War Within Itself, and then ending out the year with patch uh, 11.0.5. And it's just, uh, this is, this is a, we're getting four patches this year, as well as a couple of new seasons and an expansion it's this is again, this is a wild amount of content, and it's at a very ambitious schedule
0: uh, yeah, to- I see the, we're looking at this the way it is, they've got the twentieth anniversary event within patch eleven point zero point five
3: mm-hmm.
0: that's therefore we know they are going they it's- are releasing the war within unless anything goes wrong, they're releasing it before the anniversary.
1: Mm-hmm. yeah and the anniversary is november so i think i think we're looking at maybe around a september release date for War yeah.
0: we're so september or october it's got to be one of those yeah. two um i doubt I it'll be it's, august but it's got to be I, yeah
1: i think if it's october that's going to be that's going to push it a little close to the uh 11.0.5 but well, it, that's yeah it the, has to the be... anniversary
0: event is supposedly within that so it would make sense yeah you know and keep in mind too that the first season one for um Dragonflight took place like a week after Dragonflight launched. I think it was two weeks I went yes it was two weeks so if that's if it holds, then the war within will come out two weeks will pass and then they'll start their season one, which then mm-hmm. means you'd get at least a month before eleven point zero point five because you have to have at least a month because stuff gets changed mm-hmm. I find myself wondering if that means that that even like the September date starts to feel like the more pot more likely one the more probable one just because of that because of that time differential there but it's like looking at this the fact that we're going to get war bands uh dynamic flight and guild updates all in the pre-patch which is due out yeah
1: it's listed as being due out this summer yeah the summer 2024 i should say
0: the next summer close
1: to 2024 but we're not quite there
0: yeah so there's a lot there's a lot going on the, the alpha and beta are both in the schedule. I still want to know what the deal is with the skull and crossbones. Like, is that going to be some special pirate thing? Uh, I, everyone,
1: everyone I'm I'm seeing talk about is thinking pirates. That's just seems like the universal assumption that it's pirates. But perhaps it is also heralding our own doom.
2: Maybe I don't it's, know. Uh, maybe it's finding out what happened with our uh, our favorite SI seven uh, uh, agent runner and his uh, uh, pirate pirate significant other. We haven't heard from them in a while.
1: You know, I, I hope Ann Stickney is out there listening to this and laughing her ass off at our weird ideas.
4: Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role.
3: Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter.
0: Go to PrettyLitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Wow.
2: Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah. plush, And the best part, for
0: every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas, big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST.
1: Because, uh... Oh!
2: Because... Long time... Because we don't know Anne hasn't had weirder ideas than we've come up with.
1: (laughs) Uh, long-time listeners know that Ann Stickney used to be uh, here on the Blizzard Watch podcast for many, many years, and uh, now is over at Blizzard and uh, writing story. May have written this story in ten two six, and we want to know. We want to know these things. But I can uh, hear
2: the cackling now.
0: Uh,
1: dude, I, we, no, no I'm just imagining it.
0: Since you guys have kind of dragged poor Ann into this, sorry, Ann. Um, <laughs> I'm gonna start mentioning some of the stuff in Seeds of Renewal because that I think that's interesting to look as a jumping off point to Season 4. Mm-hmm. We know that we're done with the raids. There's not going to be any more raids. The uh, the uh Amidrasil mm-hmm. raid is the final raid. It's not the final right. content, obviously, but it's the final raid of this expansion. But we're going to have, in, C- in 10.2.5, we're going to have a Dragon Isles epilogue. I have no idea what mm-hmm. that is. The Reclamation of Gilneas, yep. uh, which means finally, finally, we're going to get Gilneas to not be a disease-choked Heck hole. Um we're, dra- we're gonna see. Yeah, what what happens to Gilnaeus? We're gonna find out. Um dragon riding worldwide, so now you can just ride your dragons. I mean you could ride your dragons before, but now you can ride your dragons with the better, you know, the, the the different system, which is keep in mind that dynamic flight is coming with the war within uh for every mount, apparently, or at least every mount that's that's suitable to it. Um we're also gonna get follower dungeons, which they've been testing on the PTR for a while. Uh yeah. And that's that's coming in ten two five. Um, I'm not. I'm going to be up front. I don't know what the Azerothian ar- archives are.
1: I haven't that's, heard much about it
0: either.
2: I have like. a feeling that that's gonna, that's something that Anne had a hand in. I'm just gonna just gonna guess.
0: But regardless, that's the kind of stuff we're getting. Then of course there's the mystery possible pirate patch. Then we've got you know season four, which is going to have the Dragonflight raids revisited, which is probably going to be similar to what we saw at the end of Thanks. Shadowlands.
1: Blizzard has talked about how it's going to be a faded raid system. It's going yeah. to be existing raids with kind of some remixed mechanics. And I'm, I'm very interested to get in there and play that.
0: Yeah. I probably We
1: should probably finish. We should probably finish this raid tier first, but I'm very excited about season four.
0: Well, you know, you can still finish the it then. So. But they're also <laughs> going <laughs> to have um, the new PVP and mythic plus seasons. But what I find interesting was new open world rewards. Um, Cause we don't really know what that means. Exactly. We know what what the world rewards are. We just don't know what the new ones are going to be.
1: I wonder if it means they're just going to kind of bump up the gear level you're getting or or give rewards that are higher gear level than what's available now to kind of get everyone sort of up to par, up to a certain gear level going into the expansion.
0: See, I thought about that, but then I thought about the fact we're also getting Dark Heart in in 10.2.7, which has the time running pandemonium i i just someone know what that is <laughs> i have <laughs> no idea what
1: that is but i desperately want to know you know yeah. i don't even want to know i just want to play it it sounds yeah. great
0: then there's the harbinger quest which i think are related to the war within obviously since i think the harbinger is the yeah that has that, to be yeah the harbinger's the name is is using i believe yeah yeah yeah.
1: Um, yeah i think that has to be lead into the to the expansion
0: kind of question we've got troll and draenei heritage armor which, finally, I mean, finally, finally. Which, at the same time, I'm kind of surprised that that's the duo you team up, um, Trolls and, yeah. and and Draenei, like, you don't wear shoes either! No, you don't! <laughs> it's a, it's a <laughs> no-shoes day in the Heritage Armor! It
1: it seems a little weird that Blood Elves got their Heritage Armor really early, really, really early, one of the first ones, and now here we are at the end of the road with yeah. uh, Draenei. Yeah, and trolls uh, is. Morgan
0: uh, and goblins got it before them.
1: Yes, everyone got it before them. Everybody except trolls. I I literally think this, these are the last two races to get heritage armor.
0: It's, Am I as, right? As far as I know, I think you're right. Yeah. I mean, because a lot of heritage armor, the, the allied races got their heritage armor boom when they were introduced. Yeah. So yeah.
1: And we we've kept going backwards and ignoring the fact that trolls exist, even though they were a vanilla race. Uh, yeah. Now trolls. Trolls are finally getting their heritage armor. It's great. It's great.
0: So, and the final thing that listed is the new holiday event. We don't know what the new holiday event will be because we don't even know when. Uh, I mean, my guess would be possibly um, the love is in the air stuff. But, I mean, who knows? It, but it's, it, we don't know when that's coming out.
1: It, this, it's, this is due out in spring. And it does say new holiday event. It says a new holiday
0: well, it doesn't say so new, don't, w- that could mean a new holiday or it could just mean uh, a new event for a holiday. It's
1: how oh, English, it,
0: yeah, English doesn't work. It, it doesn't give you that. that kind of, you know, it
1: does depend on where you put the emphasis in that phrase. Is it a new holiday event or is it a new holiday event?
0: Yeah. I, I don't yeah. Know.
1: Yeah. That's, that's hard. That's, that's a tough one.
0: But we've already covered what the war within's pre-patch is bringing. Um, I should mention that the the War Within beta is listed be- being between Dark Heart and the pre-patch for Earth, the War Within. So, at some point in late spring, early summer, we're going to get the beta. And it looks like the launch of the War Within itself will probably be at least a month, if not two months after the pre-patch. It's usually a month for pre-patches, right? Uh, that seems like... Yeah, common, I think that's about right. Me. But mm. we don't know if that'll be the case this time. But, uh, I mean,
1: Blizzard... The other thing is, Blizzard has been pushing very hard on a content cadence that's like everything has about two months between it.
0: Yeah, and um, that's the, the th- that's the reason I am thinking that that might be what we got here.
1: And if you look at you know all of the major patches here, that does kind of fall into that cadence. If you if you leave out ten two six,
0: well, I, I mean, I yeah. Know. If you look at uh, Seeds of Renewal, then Season Four, then Darkheart. If you assume that Season of Renewal two months, Season Four two months, Darkheart. Two months pre patch, two months. You know, that's the th- That's the kind of muddy muddiness of the area. Yeah. You have to.
1: I mean, it died, you know, we're we're still pretty early in the process, and I'm sure yeah. they have target dates for everything. But they, you know, you don't want to commit to a specific exact time. Yeah, but and they've, then, they've given yeah, us a pretty good sketch.
0: When it's when it's this far out, if you start saying mm-hmm. stuff like it'll be by this time, and then you know there's a there's a testing bug that you can't see until you find it you know who knows but i will point out that i wanted to quickly break through the stuff coming with war within because we've talked Mm -hmm. about it before we'll talk about it again some of its obvious stuff um the new zones four new zones eight new dungeons new raid new pvp sessions the uh earth and allied race but they also talk about they're going to have the hero talents they're going to be there on launch um along with delves and the campaign story we've talked about delves and hero talents before but they released a preview of hero talents today
1: have you, uh, I think it was yesterday, but yes, yeah. they, there's a new preview of hero talents and it is, have you, have you examined this in depth, Matt?
0: I am looking at it. Because you're the one. Yeah. I've been looking at it kind of just since you said, Hey, that, you know, so I've, for the past couple hours, I've been looking at it specifically, uh, I've been looking at the mountain thing yeah, because um, you know, why wouldn't I? I do going to look at the lights. And yeah. I please. It,
1: the The broad <laughs> the broad picture here is that Blizzard released an early preview of four hero talent specializations that would be the Sandland Death Knight, the Chrono Warden Evoker, the Lightsmith Paladin. I've got so many thoughts there, and the Mountain Thane Warrior. And uh, they just they just put that out there with the entire talent tree early. It's a preview could change. And, I mean, it's really – I find it really interesting looking – I don't know all these classes that well, but I think uh, it's interesting to see the
0: the kind of shape of these things. But
1: yeah. what do you think about mountain things?
0: Um, I mean, some of the stuff seems really great. Uh, you know, yeah. for instance, lightning, sm- lightning strikes, which is one of the first things you seem to get. I don't know exactly when... This is a mock-up of a talent tree. It's not Still. an actual talent tree. But looking at it, damaging enemies with Thunderclap, uh, Revenge, Raging Blow, or Execute has a 10% chance to also strike one with, with a lightning bolt, dealing moderate nature damage. Lightning strikes occur 50% more often during Avatar. Uh, this is interesting because it ties in to the the, the interesting conceit of each of these uh, hero specializations, mm-hmm. is that they are available to two out of the three in the case of most mm-hmm. classes of your regular talent specializations. So, mm-hmm. for instance, the Mountain Thane is available to Fury and Protection Warriors. Um, Arms Warriors get two others that they can access, um, and you know Prot gets one that Fury doesn't, and Fury gets one that Prot doesn't. And so there's talents have to work with at least two, but not all three of the specs. They know mortal strike isn't going to be something that a mountain Thane has. So they don't have to, it's an interesting way to design these classes so that they act like capstones, but they Mm -hmm. don't have to be a capstone for all three specs. And that Mm -hmm. means you can design in a more targeted way. Like the one I'm looking at here is strength of the mountain, which comes off of lightning strikes in the initial mockup. Um, Shield Slam damage increased by 10 by 20 percent. Bloodthirst and Rampage damage increased by 10 percent, and that's an interesting balance because for the the for the prop mountain Thane, you Shield Slam gets more of a damage bonus, but it's only one attack. You you have only one attack that gets the bonus, whereas for Fury, you've got Bloodthirst and uh, Rampage. Rampage is of the highest rage spender you have it's a it's a big damage ability so it it's it changes the focus of the ability so strength of the mountain for a a prot warrior is certainly it's a threat gen that's you know mm-hmm. a 10 20 percent extra damage with shield slam it's a big pop in the face to get something to focus on you but be, having it be bloodthirst and rampage for the fury warrior means that it's also a, a really solid damage generator at least it should be um we'll find out Lots of times we think stuff's going to work, and then it turns out it doesn't play nice with other things. But uh, there's just a lot of interesting stuff. And the way they've got these things set up, there's a, an initial starting talent that seems to be the one that everybody has to take. Then you can yeah, go down one of three trees, as far as we can tell.
1: There's, uh, I believe in the end you were going to unlock everything yeah, on these yeah.
0: trees but you can unlock them in different, in different orders.
1: Yeah. Initially, everyone's going to get the keystone talent, which is that first ability. And then you choose how you go down the path. And there are choice nodes where you could, you know, pick one or the other or that have different effects for each class. And then yeah, and ends. that's
0: actually, I'm going to look in the center here and talk about that one. Um, yeah. It is
1: with a capstone talent. Yeah, that's kind of the, the big yeah. thing.
0: Like everybody's going to get avatar of the storm when they get down there. But if you look at this like there's storm shield and storm bolts, which you can pick one of the two uh, and then there's beyond that there's another one and it's gathering clouds and Th- on Thorum's might. basically those, those the choice ones the choice nodes are basically kind of this I want to say octagon one two three four five. yeah that's they're like this octagon shape and then there's like the two options are in there. you can pick one of the two. It's similar to we, we have talents that do that now in the current talent system. Like you go down and you like, you click on the thing and it yeah. just says, you know, do you want to take this one? Or you want to take that one Yeah. overall? I mean, a lot of this is still like, it's just vaporware right now. It's just, it's not anything like, I don't have numbers for it. I can't run out and test it, but it looks interesting because it can focus hmm. on the, on the specializations that can take it. And it doesn't have to be all encompassing. And I think that's a really interesting class design. Um, I'm curious to see this with other classes that have mm. more options in general, like a like a class mm. that can tank, heal, and DPS, like mm-hmm. paladins. That's Hello. a different design thing <laughs> than you know what a warriors where we have two DPS specs and a and a tanking spec. Mm-hmm. Um, The I'm really curious to see what we get with druids, like how it's going to work with druids. Mm-hmm. Um, to a certain degree, I actually wonder if it'll just be too simple. Um, The sand lane death knight. Is is kind of fascinating because mm-hmm. it's it's setting up the Deathbringer as the Frost and Blood ability, the uh, Unholy and Frost Get Riders of the Apocalypse, whereas Sand Lane is a Blood and Unholy specialization ability. So this is one that has to be good for tanks. The blood ones are T- are Deathbringer and Sand Lane. So they're this vampire thing. I mean, of course, it works well for blood. It sounds like a blood idea, but it's interesting because blood and unholy are the two that that feed off of it. It has to work with those two, but it doesn't have to work with frost, which doesn't wouldn't make sense. There's not a lot of cold attacks in a vampire, you know, mm-hmm. so, uh, other than the whole thing where some of them can make storms happen. So yeah, there's just a lot of interesting mm-hmm. options to the design elements here. Uh, but I would really like to see more classes for it before I get too excited. I do like the Sand lane theme, though. Mm-hmm. Um, I do find myself wondering what they're going to do. Uh, Chrono, Ma- Chrono Warden, I know there's going to be some mages who are mad that they're giving time magic to evokers. Um, well,
1: I mean, evokers already have time magic. Though, yeah, I know. So. But I know there's something yeah, going to be mad. Yeah, yeah, but they're already mad. <laughs> it's too late. I'm sorry. I'm sorry, no, guys. They can it now make
2: peace with their warlock enemies over the things that they've lost. Yeah, well,
0: let's, but I do think, before we move on, and there's lots of other stuff we might want to talk about, I wanted to ask you about the Lightsmith. Like, what do you think about its design?
1: See, I, when I first looked at these, I ignored everything. And I, like, really dug into the Lightsmith. And by doing that, I think I initially had, like, an off-kilter impression of what these talent systems were going to be. Because of the four talent trees they previewed, Uh, lightsmith is the only one with an active ability, I believe. Lightsmith starts off with um, an active ability that their first talent that you'll unlock as soon as you get into the War Within is an active ability called Holy Armaments. And Holy Armaments is you're going to, you know, you're going to drop a holy armament on the ground and one of your friends is going to pick it up and they're going to get a buff of some kind. They're either going to get a holy holy bulwark, which... uh, gives them an absorb shield for 15% of your maximum health and an additional 5% every two seconds, up to, stacking up to 30% are they're going to get a sacred weapon. While wielding a sacred weapon, your spells and abilities have a chance to deal additional holy damage or healing. And uh, it, so we have an active ability that's going to require a lot of, you know, thought to play around there. You go down these trees and a lot of things interact with that initial holy armaments ability, like... Uh, after Holy Armaments, you can pick up a talent called Solidarity, where if an ally picks up an armament, you also gain its benefits, which I'm I'm going straight there. Straight there. I think that'll be great. Um, yeah. But it, it does require, you know, uh, it's another active ability. It's going to require substantial, some serious effort to play around. You are going to have to think about, okay, who in my group is going to get the most benefit from these particular buffs? Where do I place this on the ground? For them to go get it. How do I inform them that hey, this cooldown is up. I'm gonna I'm gonna put this down for you. You need to run over and grab it. Because um, this is on a this is on. Um, actually, it doesn't say what its cooldown is, but it, you can have two charges of it. So it's gonna be an interesting positional thing. And the buff holy armaments provides rotates between the defensive holy bulwark and the offensive sacred weapon. You don't have a choice there. It's going to flip back and forth each time you cast it, which holy paladins have a lot of that. It's a little little frustrating when you just want to have control over what you're doing, but you have to time it right. So this is something that's going to require significant thought and optimization to make the most of it. And it's going to favor groups that are more organized because an organized group is going to really min-max this, and a disorganized group is going to get much less utility from it.
0: Yeah, it does make and, it wonder, like, how we're going to see it used in like World First pushes and stuff.
1: I, I bet this is going to be really strong in World First because you've got these super optimized groups that are going to make the most of those two buffs. They're going to really plan it out to the second, and they're going to plan out who's going to get it and where it's going to be placed. They're going to have all of it mapped out in advance, and they're going to do the best you could possibly do with those buffs. Uh, other other groups, I don't know. It's going to require some, it's something that's going to require some work. And that's a level of change to the play style that I do not see in these other specs. The best I can tell, they kind of, they give you more abilities, they buff you in different ways, they buff your existing abilities. And let you flex in this direction or that direction or give you some cool new thematic powers. But this is actually a pretty significant play style adjustment. You really have to think about this and play different to make use of it. So I, I'm, I'm, like you said, I'm really curious to see what's next. Show me more of these. Are there more specs that are going to be like Lightsmiths? Are is Blizzard aiming more towards this, you know, passive buffing other abilities thing that we're seeing in a lot of these other talent trees?
0: I mean, it might also be dependent on like what roles the uh, uh,
1: true. specializations um, work for.
0: Since the uh, Chrono Warden I works should. for augmentation and preservation, though, and it's not... it doesn't have that, so...
1: Yeah, I should add that Lightsmith is for Holy and Protection Paladins, so that's your healers and your tanks have this option to place down these Holy Armaments to buff themselves or others.
0: Yes. I, sorry, I'm just... I was actually looking at the Evoker. Um, but yeah, that pretty much... I mean, we didn't cover everything, but it's pretty much all we can really talk about because, like, this hasn't actually come out yet.
1: There's, but, uh, there's a lot going on here.
0: Yeah, there's also going to be. Um, this was the one I don't really understand. Actually, we should. But the uh, battle we, for, uh, for Ashenvale we is going to be stopping in uh, Season Discovery.
1: Uh, n- n- no. Um, hang on. Now I have to bring up the post. It is uh, the Battle of Ashenvale. In um, there have been some issues with the Battle for Ashenvale, and they're all about. Laring because the Battle of Ashenvale is a big open world PvP event. It's not a battleground that you go and queue into, but it's a lot like Alterac Valley. The whole point of this battle for Ashenvale is you go to Ashenvale, you kill things in the zone to start this event, and when the event starts, you're out to claim enemy camps, kill enemy lieutenants and generals until you win the Battle for Ashenvale. That's That's pretty much exactly like Alterac Valley. Except instead of being, you know, an instanced battleground that you queue up for, it is a big open-world event. And a big open-world event means it has to contend with layering. And layering in Season of Discovery works a little differently than, um, than it does in other servers because Season of Discovery realms are massive. They are letting these... Uh, realms are so much bigger than vanilla realms. They are, they are huge realms. And they're kind of making, they're kind of making them work using layering. Um, and, and I find it interesting in, in part that Blizzard has gone into this much detail about how the event has worked, which, um, I, is an interesting zone because it has both, the Battle for Ashenvale event, which goes on all the time. It doesn't start and stop at specific times. It's always, you can always be working on it. And it also has the uh, Black Fathom Deeps raid, the new raid for Season of Discovery. So there are a lot of players in Ashenvale. There are a lot of big groups, lots of people coming and going. And the layer system is set up to, you know, when you get to a certain threshold, it'll spawn a new layer.
0: Yeah, it spins a lot, and start, right?
1: yeah, it spins up a new layer and starts populating it. But as fewer and fewer players are available, it will retire a layer. And so imagine you're playing in Alterek Valley, and all of a sudden, there are fewer players, so it retires the Alterek Valley layer you were on. Just think about how that would work. That's how Battle for Ashenvale has been working because if fewer players are in the area, it can retire the re- the layer you're on, send you to another layer. Where maybe they aren't as far along in the battle. Yeah, maybe really, they just finished the battle. Yeah. You lost all your progress. Yeah, You're what you've been doing from your
0: group doesn't come with you.
1: Yeah, exactly. Um, so and they they'd used this kind of system that sort of aggressively spun up layers and retired layers to you know the whole idea is to keep you in zones that are reasonably populated. It never gets too crowded or too laggy, but it also never gets too empty, so you can keep doing this event, but. I kind of feel like that was maybe a little, the implementation was maybe a little flawed because the raid was in the same zone. So you are going to have these big groups.
2: They're going, going and going. Yeah. yeah. That they're, pass they're through,
1: but leave quickly. Yeah. yeah they're not there and they to play. They're the to going
0: to the raid. So yeah. Yeah. That makes sense.
1: Uh, but yeah, th- what they're doing is they're, they've sped up the progress on battle for Ashenvale. Like you get, you're getting more reputation okay, I should start, I should do that the other direction. They're slowing things down. So they're slowing things down and they're making sure your progress transfers. They're they're adding some tech that's going to keep your progress with you. And they're also trying to, you know, slow down layers being spun up and layers being retired. The result is going to be, that Battle for Ashenvale events won't be running as frequently when they were could be pretty fast and pretty consistent, and they won't finish as quickly. But they're increasing the rewards for finishing one. So hopefully the system they're building will, uh, will be... You know, you may have fewer opportunities to do Battle for Ashenvale, but you're much more likely to actually complete it without bugs that split you from your group in different layers, without bugs that cause you to lose all of your progress and objectives completion. Um, What I really find interesting about this is how much behind the scenes they're talking about. How, because um, Agrind went on the forums and said, you know, okay, we did this wrong, and this is what we did. This is why this bug is here. It's because we're retiring layers pretty aggressively to keep the population balanced. And this is how we're going to fix it. This is what we're doing. So, um, if you're playing Season of Discovery, if you're playing Battle for Ashenvale, you should see a smoother experience soon or already. But uh, yeah, I mostly think it's it's interesting that they really that they really dug into this and they told us all of this. One of the things we we're talking about in the pre-show was about how game developers don't always want to give you previews of things because. Uh, you know, people can be very critical. People can be mean. People can hang on to that stuff. But, yeah, it's a, it's an interesting peek behind the scenes. Uh, so if you're interested in that stuff, go check out the classic Season of Discovery forums and read that forum post by Agrant, where he talks about, goes into a lot of detail about how layering works in Season of Discovery. Someone say something.
2: You covered it. I don't have anything to add. <laughs> Okay, what did
0: you? I I could tell I was interrupting you. You wanted to talk about something else, so go ahead.
1: Uh, We talked we talked about the retail roadmap, but they also released a classic roadmap at the same time. So it's not only did we get a retail roadmap, which was the same thing we got last year for 2023, we got a retail roadmap, but this time they've also given us a pretty big, a pretty ambitious classic roadmap.
0: Uh, Yep, including season of discovery stuff i'm not sure they don't i think there's a level phases or level tiers or whatever they're calling yeah
1: they're they're level bands is what they're calling them they're not kind of a traditional phase system but they're level bands um but it's we're about to head into the end of wrath of the lich king classic with ruby sanctum releasing i believe january 11th and then we've got season of discovery phases we've got the level 40 level cap will be coming early next year Wow! Classic Hardcore will be getting a self-found mode. Season of Discovery uh, level cap will be increasing to level fifty. Cataclysm Classic pre-patch, Cataclysm Classic launch, Season of Discovery level band going up to sixty. Cataclysm Sa- Classic Rise of the Zandalari patch, Cataclysm Classic Rage of the Firelands patch, and ending out the year with a uh, Season of Discovery end game content rollout. So maybe. Maybe by the end of the year, we'll be doing, like, 40-man raids in completely new reimagined raid zones. I don't know. But this is, again, really ambitious, and I don't think the Classic team has ever done something with this much content. This is this is an ambitious schedule.
0: I also want to point out, because it's kind of easy to miss, self-found mm-hmm. mode is a really big change for World of Warcraft. Um, mm-hmm. Having, you know, World of Warcraft Classic hardcore with a self-found That's- mode means you can't group you can't interact with other players at all, except maybe to fight them. I assume you can PvP them. But you can't form a group or trade with anybody but yourself. Like you, It's just you. Uh, you you have no positive interaction with any other players. I don't even know if you can whisper to them. Uh, it depends on the game server and how the game decides to work on it. Uh, I don't know how they're going to implement it for for um, hardcore and classic. But it is still interesting because it's, it's a step further than most than just hardcore mode in a world of Warcraft game to a hardcore mode where you can't even group. And that does also mean you won't be able to do certain content like dungeons and raids will not be doable anymore. And that's, and I don't, that's weird.
1: I don't think they specified if it's going to go that far, if you can't do dungeons and raids.
0: Yeah. And that's, I, uh, that's something I, that, that is something yeah. that I, I wish they, they would talk about because we it is, still, you know, it's a yeah, big deal. We don't, have,
1: we don't have a lot of details about that. Um, when they first released it, it was self-found Is basically you were working by yourself as far as the items you have. You don't have the ability to trade. You can't use the mailbox even with mail to yourself as well as no auction house. So maybe they're just going on the kind of no trading, you know, no one can, you can't just go and buy your power on the auction house. You can't just go and have a friend who gives you a bunch of gear. Um, but it would, be, it would be really weird to see a version of WoW without dungeons and raids.
0: Yeah, and that's the the thing that I think we'll need someone mm-hmm. to explain. But just looking at the uh, other stuff we've got on this list, you've already mentioned a lot of it, but we've actually got the the level bands for every mm-hmm. uh, season of discovery and they're going 40, 50, 60. And then they're going to have end game content updates, whatever those are. Um mm-hmm. which certainly sounds like, you know, possibly they're going to bring it in like with molten core first and then bring in the Anixia Raid, bring in Blackwing Lair, and so forth. For all we know, they're going to do each raid tier as its own patch. Uh, We don't don't know yet, but that's one possibility. It is just it is a lot. You are totally right about that. Um, Also, find the the new runes, like, mm. up to 60, there's going to be new runes. So we don't know if there will be new runes in the the last one. I
1: mean, each phase that increases the level band is also adding new runes and a new raid. So it's going to be really interesting to see what the new runes are and how the... Because every patch is going to provide essentially new class abilities that could potentially modify the way you play.
0: Also, I want to mention this one. Um, They're not going to do the thing they did um, in actual Cataclysm. Instead, Transmog is coming with with the first patch. I think that's actually the pre-patch. You will be getting Transmog in WoW Classic as of the pre-patch to Cataclysm Classic. I don't know. Oh, I'm geez. assuming they're going to use the same event they used for Cataclysm. So mm-hmm. it's going to have I the would, elemental I would still as
1: well. Uh,
0: so, yeah, that, uh, that was worth running. So, so maybe it'll be worth running. Yes.
1: Cataclysm Classic, late spring. Transmog, the most important feature that has ever been added to World of Warcraft.
0: Yes, I, I am in agreement. <laughs> I don't... Um, I'm going to throw this... Joe hasn't gotten to talk much, so I'm going to throw this one to mm, Joe. Yeah. Do you think they're going to, like they're going to start with the same transmog restrictions that they had then, or do you think they're going to like bump them up? To, like, that is a really good off.
2: question. I don't know because I don't remember if there was a technical reason for the original restrictions Um but I kind of hope that they're not going to have those restrictions. Cause I think, I think players should be sort of allowed to transmog and look however they want. I, I, I think loosening it was always the way to go. So I, I don't know. I can't remember a very specific Reason, so I don't see why not. Yeah,
0: I don't. I don't think it was ever necessarily a mechanical limitation. They had said they were very specifically taking it slow because they didn't want to rush into it and end up doing something wrong. Mm. But I don't know. I, I. What about you, Liz? What do you think?
1: Um. I mean, one of the interesting things about classic rolling out is that they, you know, we've gone from the original launch, where it's no changes, no changes at all, to a sort of hybrid game, which tries to keep some of the conveniences that, you know, players enjoy, you know, tries to give us a classic experience without, while removing some pain points from the game. So I... I think the smart thing to do would be to, you know, drop the weird transmog restrictions and let players have fun with the system because it's a fun system. Don't don't tie your hands. Let us transmog more transmog.
0: It would be interesting to me to see if they, re- they removed the restrictions on legendaries mm. um, because Cataclysm, I, I want to say Valinir was a was a Wrath legendary, correct? Valinir was Wrath.
2: That was Old War.
0: So you could basically transmog to your Valinir and just keep the transmog which a lot of people would mm-hmm. probably want to do um, it's cool. if they, if they put that in, if they don't put that in, then, you know, so we'll, we'll see what they're going to do. Um, we also have account wide collections as one of the features. Um, quite frankly, I, I don't see why those weren't in wow classic from the beginning, but yeah, mm-hmm. I, I think that's a good move too. Overall. I think it's interesting. I mean, obviously I'm, I'm hoping they, they cut back the snorful noise from Morgan. <laughs> As somebody who played Worgen throughout Cataclysm, I sounded like I had a head cold from heck. Um, it was crazy. I was just like <sniffs> all the time. Like, why was I? Why that's my dog doesn't sniff continuously, guys. Uh, wolves don't just wander around constantly smelling everything. They, they they do that when they want to be tracking something. It was weird, um, but yeah, I I don't. Yeah, I've nothing to say about goblins. I think they had a pretty good starting experience. I think Worgen did too. Unfortunately, they had the second half of their starting experience given to Undead and a move that I found confusing. Um, That's obviously not going to change. But yeah, this is a a ton. I I don't know if people want to hear us sit here and and go over all the stuff coming (laughs) in Cataclysm, but I will say that it's interesting that they have the uh, Rise of the Zandalari and Rage of the Firelands patches both in autumn, between summer and autumn of of 2024. Mm -hmm. So that's that's interesting. I wonder how much... I wonder if they're adopting... It feels like they're adopting the uh, the retail scheduling. Looking yeah, at this, I mean, it feels this like is... there's a lot more stuff in this, but it's for different things. Uh, yeah. Season of Discovery and then just regular Cataclysm Classic, which those two things are not, in, not the same, so you won't have to worry about them overlapping. Uh,
1: yeah, but there's... This is... It's very ambitious. I keep saying it's very ambitious, but it is very ambitious. There's a lot of content coming out here. And while this is classic, it's like, oh, we've already seen all of this. Uh, blah, blah, blah. I mean, Season of Discovery is really its own game that they're taking in different directions, adding new content, new abilities. Cataclysm is its own thing that they're, you know, refining the original Cataclysm experience. And even hardcore is its own thing. That's a unique kind of gameplay that servers they're specifically maintaining just for this particular set of players. And this, this is essentially three games they're running in parallel. And there is a lot of content coming to all of them. I guess hardcore is a little left out because all it's getting, all that's on the schedule next year is the self-found mode coming. Uh,
0: yeah, but people coming... are doing hardcore. That's They, they don't really oh, want yeah. it to be like trying to innovate. They want it to give them <laughs> that experience. They crave so, consistency. Yeah. Well, they, like, they want to, you know, they're already going to be in a situation where, you know, you, you die, you're done.
1: Mm-hmm. Um, so
0: it's possible they don't want to have to also relearn new things the way that the seasons of Discovery yeah, it's does. True, it's true. But um, there's actually some other stuff to talk about besides all this, which is a lot. Quite frankly, much. that turned out to be way more than I thought it was going to be. Uh, I do want to mention, because Liz mentioned it, um, that there's a free dragon mount or something. It's a free mount in the Diablo 4 shop. It's... He's horse, right? Yeah, it thought it was a horse, but it's it horse. says dragon's path. It's so horse. Yeah, but regardless, it's free dragoons. Free, yeah, free mount. You can get it. Um, the dragoons path. Okay, I misread that. That that makes sense. There we go. It's
1: it's, it's a. Two zeros. I mean, they two say it's a holiday mount, but. Uh, You know, it's not as cool as the dragon riding mount you can currently get for Winter's Veil, which, uh, you know, gives your dragon antlers and a red nose, because I'm sure your dragon does not find that belittling at all.
0: Well, I mean, you know, he didn't have to put it on. Uh, yeah, I still, I still actually like the Tabard thing on this. It's got a nice white uh, surcoat over its armor and then a nice red mm-hmm. Tabard underneath the saddle, which is really nice. Yeah. And the Mount Trophy is also cool. There's like a scroll with like weird writing. Apparently that weird writing just says werewolf over and over again, by the way, guys. Um, if you ever like see the weird writing that they put on stuff in Sanctuary in Diablo 4, it's just the word werewolf repeatedly, apparently um but uh yeah that, so there's that that's that's a free mount so you know if you're playing diablo 4 uh log on oh, and get, get yourself it. yeah uh, there's also an amazon prime gaming reward which is the skeleton horse in diablo 4 uh that's through the 18th so of of of, Ju- of january not of the 18th of december yeah yeah that's because that was yesterday
1: yeah because of um, mm, yeah
0: <laughs> yeah it's the 19th right don't, don't don't do this to me, Bernie. It, it
3: is as of the time of yeah, this recording. It is the nineties. Yes,
0: yes, okay. <laughs> whew, whew, okay. Uh, but you can get that until next month around this time. So you've got a month left to go and and watch various Amazon Prime Gaming. It'll just it's just there, or you have to actually watch it.
1: The, the, the Amazon Prime Gaming is where you just if you're an Amazon Prime member, you just go get it, you claim okay. it. It's the Twitch. Things that are you have to go watch a lot of Twitch to get them, which is kind of confusing because Amazon owns Twitch and there's there's some overlap there. Yeah, I I keep seeing the
0: Amazon Prime stuff when I log into Twitch. So it's very. Uh,
1: Yeah. Uh, Yeah. This you just have to go click click a button as long as you're already a Prime subscriber.
0: I think the Overwatch Winter Wonderland started today as we're recording. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, obviously, wow, Wintervale started last week uh, on the 16th. Uh, So, yeah, just a few days ago. So there's all I, that.
1: Hmm? I love wandering around Azeroth and there are just candy canes and trees everywhere and decorations. I that I think that's what I like most about holidays in Azeroth is just yeah. they, they go out they go all out on the decorations. I I walked into the bank in Veldraken today and it's like there's a pile of gold over there and now there are candy canes stuck in the pile of gold. It's so it's like a it's like a festive pile of gold. <laughs> it's
0: pes- festive loot. Uh, I just I still <laughs> remember that uh the first time we saw a santa hat on lord on there uh, like why does he wear a hat so yeah but that's why not that's why pretty not? much all the news we have um don't have a lot of time but we got enough to maybe do one or two mails um going to get you guys the usual spiel here, which is that uh, if you have a question for the podcast here, you can get it to us in one of two ways. One is to go to our Discord. We have two channels there. One for patrons, one for non-patrons. Uh, not that we don't love you non-patrons, but the patrons give us money and, and we give them first crack at the answers, questions and answers, because I feel that we give them something for helping pay the bills and keeping us going. And, and everybody who is supporting us on Patreon right now, thank you so much. We love you. Um, but you can go to the patron q and podcast questions channel if you are a patron and leave a question and we will look there and, and hopefully answer it or will at least try to um if you're not a patron though we, we still want to hear your questions we still will look for it and answer them uh just gonna look at the other guys first just you know for that reason but if you don't want to even deal with discord for some reason like you know you're like me and you're confused and scared by the advancing technology of a world that has moved on beyond you um you can go and use our email um, that's podcasts at blizzardwatch.com with the subject line podcast of Blizzard watch. So we know it's for this show. And the first question we've got is actually from the email. So, you know, another Luddite like me, woo, uh, you're probably not, but well, I am. So, as a mainly alliance player, I'm kind of miffed that one of our most iconic races is being shared with the Horde in the form of the neutral earthen race without any reciproco- reciprocity. Uh, I was thinking that neutral type of torin should also be introduced. Uh torin are great. They're pro-environment, they look great in plate and they run in time to derune sandstorm. <laughs> uh, my question is is there any potential, is there potentially any torin offshoot that would work as a neutral race? Uh costumotion uh lightforged warlock. Uh Joe
2: uh, I mean, I don't know that we've seen one that's truly neutral. Besides, I mean, the Torn themselves started as relatively neutral until the Horde saved them. Um, but there, we've established that there's the possibility of the fact that there could be Torn everywhere in the world because they were a wandering race. Like that they only recently, like when we started interacting with them and really only at the beginning of World of Warcraft – did they really establish any sort of like home territory? Before then, if they weren't Yangal, which even Yongall sort of their existence while they have an area that they live in when the steeps there, uh, they're sort of nomadic as well. And Torrin could have easily traveled everywhere and have no association whatsoever with either faction yet to be found. Uh, I think it's perfectly possible. What they would look like, I don't know. That would really, really determine. Or be determined by like their environment because look at look at like the high mountain torn they look like torn, uh they have different uh antlers because of their, uh interactions with or uh, their ancestry with home, um we have the yongals we have the antlers are cool the antlers are cool, um what was the other the uh the tonka the the tonka yep, which is the tonka. like the,
0: they're the more bisony looking the yeah. more north american which
2: are which are relatively neutral to begin with um they don't I don't think they really caught into one faction or another
0: no they join the horde. They straight up of join the Horde. The
2: Tonka joined the Horde?
0: Yep. Uh, it's one of the things you do as a, to- a Horde member in uh, Wrath of the Lich King is get the Tonka on board. I wasn't
2: playing Horde in Wrath. Um, yeah. yeah. Um, So yeah, I mean, there, but there could be others out there. We know that they, they ranged far and wide, and we could have more. So yeah. Liz, do you have an opinion?
1: I'm afraid I do not. Also, Good. I've talked so much. Yeah. So much.
0: I am going to therefore take the opportunity to suggest my idea, which is that every single race should be available as a neutral option for either faction i'm into it yeah and the reason i think this is because of all things a little game called everquest used to let (laughs) you do this if everquest could figure it out in 1997 i feel like it's time that world of warcraft borrow that idea or blatantly steal that idea i don't care um also, though, if you've seen the Amirdrasil, for lack of a better word, victory party—I don't know what else to call it—tea party, when, whenever like you you wander around and there's like Jaina and Thrall talking about, you know, it's just like when we fought on Mount Hyjal, and you know, did you hear that weird voice? And you get Cadgar, who's like, I finally got to see the the Horde and Alliance fight together against the common enemy. Like I'm like, we've been doing that almost every other expansion. Edgar, have you really been drunk this whole time? Like, what's <laughs> going on, buddy?
2: But time moves differently inside of the, the hollowed halls of Medivh. Okay.
0: I just thought that time moved differently inside the giant globe that he keeps putting his head in and sending Yeah, I that out. too.
2: Um,
0: but at any rate, I, I find myself thinking, though, if we really want to make this idea of the Horde and Alliance actually working together, one of the wing things to do would be to allow people to play characters who are, like, you know, over on the Horde side, even though they're human or whatever. Uh, and then you don't have to worry so much about, oh no, they've got our dwarf and they didn't give us anything back. Well, if if actual Torin were playable on the Alliance side, then who cares? I
2: know? just want a buddy. Cop, I want a buddy cop drama with a torn and a gnome just going. And the gnome just,
0: is, a, is the is the rigs. yes, and the Torin is the Murtaugh. yes, yeah, absolutely,
2: exactly. You yeah, get it. I,
0: I knew I knew where you were going, but that's my <laughs> thing. that's my theory is that we don't we we are we're, we're past the point where are having races locked to a faction is good for the game. Uh, I think we are past yeah. that point. If it was ever well,
2: good for me. I mean, and the thing is, like, factions don't matter like they used to anymore. Like, you it's can still, still PvP, possible. and, like, it mattered when there was, like, PvP in the world was, like, the thing to do. Because at one point, it was the thing to do. But it, just, it doesn't matter anymore in storytelling, really, uh, and for players. Just let people play what they want with who they want.
0: I, mean, I was thinking about it in terms, too, of, like, lore-wise, we've got the Forsaken reaching out to their human relatives now the people that are still alive that escaped Lordaeron, mm. the people that were related to them, that were in other places at the time, they're reaching out. The humans are starting to reach back in some cases. And I thought when I saw that in Beyond, in Before the Storm, I thought, oh man, Sylvanas is going to ruin this. But we're at a point now where Calium Menethil is sitting on the throne or whatever of Lordaeron, or at least, you know, she's the unacknowledged ruler of the place. It's time. It's time to move to a place where, if even the Forsaken and their their human families can start to reconnect, then let's just let it happen. Mm-hmm. Like imagine, and you could do it in all sorts of different ways. You could have it be like an embassy situation where your character who's over there is an ambassador. You could have it be mm-hmm. like you know friendship associations, or like if elves decided they wanted to get to know other elves and learn what like what their culture is like, and because we now we've got Amirdrasil and we've got Belameth. There's a place for them to all go and hang out. Um, but I've been pushing the all-elf expansion for a long time, so I'll shut up about that. At any rate, <laughs> I think that it's definitely time to move beyond having to have iconic races of either faction.
2: Besides, we can't have the all-elf expansion. We kind of just had that. Now we got to do all gnomes.
0: See, the <laughs> problem is there's not yet another gnome group. But it would be hilarious yet. if the goblins found themselves dragged. Goblins Technically, and uh, the little... Who are the little people? The little doggy people? Like little jackal people, Volpera. From P- Volpera, thank you. Volpera. If, if the and <laughs> goblins found themselves dragged into this, just because they're short, <laughs> I, or we find out, like,
2: or we find out that they were all from the same ancestry and the Titan forged.
0: Eh, who knows? But hmm. yeah, th- th- that would be hilarious to me if the if you like to get a bunch of Volpera and go. Why are we here? Just because we fit in the door? That's why he made <laughs> us come here. I guess we need people it's- who can get down in those tunnels.
2: <laughs> and they're not. And their foxes not jackals, by the way.
0: Okay, well yeah, sir. Sure. That that makes sense. That would be why the name makes, but regardless. Next question. I think we got time for one more. Uh, This one's kind of long, though. Eh, I'm going to read it anyway. All right. This one's from UK Fletch. Um, question for blizzard watch hi gang long time listener short time patreon subscriber really should have done this wave earlier but never too late to start in the last blizzard watch i was interested to hear discussion of how microsoft may influence blizzard going forward bringing back old titles to game pass etc and the recent unexpected patch for heroes of the storm and the potential still left in the starcraft Uh, on the run-up to blizzcon this year many of us discussed joked mourned about the state of Starcraft 2, how Frost Giant are getting on with Stormgate and simmering nicely RTS scenes. Uh, no Starcraft at BlizzCon just confirmed the fears of many, but there's always hope, right? Uh, he said put hopium in there, which is a reference to copium and all that stuff. Um, but in the same way that Blizz lost momentum after the release of Dota 2 and the, and the then wandering around like lost sheep before H- Hots appeared years too late... Even with those sweet MS dollars, have they made the same mistake with StarCraft? And yet again, will it come mm-hmm. back to bite them? Or is Phil Spencer about Phil Spencer, sorry, there's a T on my screen that messed it up. Phil Spencer about to enable SC3. He mentioned StarCraft more in ten minutes at BlizzCon than Blizzard have done for years. I'm keen to hear your that's thoughts. True. Uh Liz, you spoke, so now you have to keep going.
1: Ah, that's that's what happens. I, <laughs> I, I volunteered here, to this. Um, yes, I think we're going to see more StarCraft due to the Microsoft involvement. They have, Microsoft has talked, uh, specifically saying they aren't going to, you know, they aren't going to get in the way of Blizzard development, but they're going to support them. They're going to support Blizzard in doing what they want to do. But I think, I think it's pretty clear that one of the things Microsoft is interested in is StarCraft. Oh, yeah. Because... You know, from the get go on the big advertising campaign about the merger, on the all of the blog posts, there are Starcraft images in there, and it's like, okay, do you remember the last Starcraft game? It's been a few years, bulletard said they aren't making anymore. And yet you're still pushing this as a major part of the acquisition is, oh, hey, look, Starcraft we're buying Starcraft. I, I think definitely Microsoft wants to do Starcraft, and this is a good time for 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 more of these games. There are lots of similar games and developments. Frost Giant is putting out Stormgate. Is that do I have that name right? I believe you are correct. It's, it's yeah, I think it's Stormgate. Uh, you know that's coming out relatively soon. Yeah, and I mean it. It looks like a good game, but it's also it's a little bit StarCraft with the serial
0: numbers filed off. Like no 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 no. It's, it's not. That. It's StarCraft and Diablo. Yeah. <laughs> get, into or get into the Brundlefly machine. And that's not a problem for me, by the way. If and even at, at Storm Giant is listening, I, Frost Giant, sorry, I don't mind that you've put StarCraft and Diablo in the Brundlefly machine. I'm fine with it. <laughs> but you did.
1: I I mean, I'm not saying it's a problem, but it's not, it does not feel like something that is reinventing the wheel, either gameplay wise or narratively. It's something that's aiming to go out there and make a good RTS. That's not, I mean, it doesn't feel like it pushes the boundaries and that's not a bad thing. I'm not trying to say that's a
0: bad thing or the game is bad. Yeah, but it also it's, doesn't, it's it's very hard to talk about it and act like it's not something you've seen before.
1: Yeah, and because it feels, it's made by a bunch of previous StarCraft developers and it feels a lot like StarCraft. And I, I think there are, there's room out there for more StarCraft. Blizzard used to be a real leader in this industry, and they could be again. They could go and make more of these games. They decided not to, and so now other people are making these games that are basically Blizzard games. Because they got rid of all the developers, and the developers started making more StarCraft games that they can't call StarCraft. Yeah, I think I think there's definitely hope for StarCraft with the Microsoft acquisition. I don't know that we're gonna see it anytime soon, but there is hope.
2: Joe? So I think it is not an accident that they keep mentioning StarCraft, and I think it's it's a trend mm-hmm. that they're seeing in the industry. So things work in cycles very, very regularly. And For the longest time, fantasy was the dominant genre in gaming. Even up to now, Mm -hmm. most of the popular games are fantasy games. What is the one exception to that of recent releases that isn't a contemporary game? I'm excluding Spider-Man from this because whatever. I
0: mean, there's there's Cyberpunk 2077.
2: Exactly. Literally, Cyberpunk 2077. Well, I mean, there's Starfield, which whether or not you think it's a good game... Was successful. I'm, I'm getting. I'm getting to that. So Cyberpunk okay. 2077 releases, and it's a sci-fi game, right? That's exactly what it is. It's a science fiction game. Uh, then Starfield releases. It's a science fiction game. Both of these games are now doing relatively well, despite both of them having uh, rather large problems at launch. Or some some people had problems with Starfield. Some people didn't. Whatever. Uh, but they're both well received games right now. What other sci-fi major blockbuster games have really come out recently? There was uh, uh, another Armored Core game that we haven't seen in forever. The last time yeah. the last time Armored Core was popular, guess what was also popular? Starcraft Two. Um,
0: yeah, sure enough, it, like, it's also interesting that Armored Core actually did get a really
2: a really good game.
0: Yeah, it, it got a, a good reception even from people who don't like anything from Software's ever done.
2: Because it's, it's not a, it's not a, it's not a Dark Souls game, right?
0: No, but it's not a Dark Souls game. It's a completely different game of its own type.
2: But even then, like the Dark Souls cycle is starting to, to dwindle down. The Elden Ring cycle, like all that fantasy stuff, is starting to to maybe be oversaturated. Sci-fi is going to be a way forward to grab people's attention when you can say, "Hey, look, here's Starcraft back from the dead in a sea of fantasy games." It stands out. Uh, it's also something that is a world that got cut short, or a story that got cut short, in my opinion and i know there's a lot of people that feel like that we didn't get half the promised games or half the promised uh, tie in content for it or half the promised books or comics and things like that it's ripe for that and i think the executives at microsoft know that and maybe with having without having activision saying you have to produce a game every year now they can go is this a passion of yours do you want to do this we'd be more than happy to do this or we have a studio under our umbrella because this is the big benefit of having Microsoft. Doesn't necessarily have to be Blizzard that makes this game anymore. Microsoft can go if you guys aren't going to do this. Are you okay with this passionate group of people who really love the original StarCraft or really love RTSs make a new game? And they can do that now. They can shop stuff around like Sony does, like a bunch of the other large boys do. There's there's potential. Um, it just might not be. It might not be from Blizzard itself. And I, but I do not. At the root of the uh, root of the question, I don't think the time has passed. I think the time is coming. And I think RTSs in general we're seeing a huge resurgence in them. Um, I count Civ Seven in there because Civilization is an RTS in, to a certain degree. Um, that's Civ is about to release, or at least uh, we're going to get more information on. It. I don't think it's about to release, um, but it was just announced not too long ago. if all these other developers that are producing RTS games. I I think it would be a no brainer to to say here's a group of people, go forth, make Starcraft.
0: Okay. Um I'm gonna ask really quick, do either of you know if that Horizon um VR game ever came out? Yeah. Okay, so that was this year then, right? My problem with VR games uh, is that a lot of really cool call, games. Call the Mountain, yeah. Yeah, Call the Mountain. Um so at least the the Horizon series is still trucking along, even though it keeps managing to come out at the same time as like a industry dominating game that completely <laughs> eclipses it. Good job. I don't know how you go to do it, girly Games. I don't know how you do it. Do you have a psychic and then you just don't listen to the psychic? <laughs> like, you know, like, do you, is Cassandra working there? That's what I want to know. Not Cassandra of Sparta, although if she is, that'd be cool, whatever. do Dude, game with her. Anyway, I have two things and then I'm going to move on and we can wrap things up. My first one is that we're also kind of forgetting that one of the big places where RTS games are hugely popular right now is mobile gaming.
2: Oh, yeah. Hmm.
0: And it could be that one of the things Microsoft is looking to do is leverage the StarCraft IP into the mobile space. Because we know Blizzard already has uh, absorbed Vicarious Visions. They've already got people who are extremely good at adapting older games to new systems and hardware. Um, hmm. And that might be something that once Microsoft you know, f- f- completes the acquisition, they're now going to be working for Microsoft. Um, the other thing I'm thinking about, though, is that Every time we, so we talk about them saying, you know, we're not going to pressure anybody. We just want to support you. I keep rem- being reminded of, like, you know, we're just here to support you. <laughs> would you like to maybe make a StarCraft game? We would support that. Mm. Are you getting this? Is he stepping on my foot? Yes. He's trying to get you to understand <laughs> what he's saying. He's saying make StarCraft. But he, but he said he was going to just support us and oh my foot um I mean I guess we could make a Star Trek game yes yes you could I I I get that sense that Phil Spencer didn't go to to BlizzCon just to show up he wasn't there just to be friendly and say hi to the new Microsoft people oh no he was there to to send a message that was to calculated
2: everybody. that was one hundred percent calculated
0: and one of those messages is that they are going to be I feel like Microsoft is saying we were going to be better shepherds of the amazing IPs that we're now just picked up because activision activision had one that wasn't a blizzard or king ip it had call of duty mm-hmm. or modern warfare you know i guess modern warfare is a call of duty isn't it
2: yes call of Duty, yeah. modern warfare
0: so they have that and and really i mean as much as i've loved some some activision games over the years i mean pitfall i still remember pitfall fondly i, I play pitfall right now if i could um but i don't think that Activision has a ton of, of franchises. Like they, they kept upsetting people and causing them to run off and start their own companies. Respawn wouldn't even exist if they hadn't been kind of jerks to them. Mm-hmm. And and we wouldn't have had Titanfall and Titanfall 2, which would make me sad.
2: Um, I mean, if we're talking about Activision games, let's bring back, uh, let's do another Transformers War for Cybertron. That was an Activision yeah, game.
0: Yeah, I covered last time that um, they could also make another um, Arcanum game if they wanted to. Prototypes,
2: but, Star Wars Jedi yeah. Knight, we could go yeah. on.
0: But regardless, uh, I think what we're saying is that, yeah, it seems unlikely that Microsoft is willing to leave StarCraft on the table
2: Yeah, and not
0: mm. and not get something It's for it. it's The just, very fact that they've been putting it on everything and talking about it constantly seems to indicate that we will get something. But we don't know what it will be. Do you think Phil
2: Specker was a uh, Zerg Rush player?
0: Uh, Spencer? No, <laughs> I, I don't know. Phil Specker, he's a Sorry, different Spencer, guy. And we don't Spencer, want to talk about him. Me. That's my Phil fault, Spencer. but... Yeah. Um, you got you got Spencer, the bug in my head. Spencer is. Or is he, he
2: a Protoss Archon? I can't decide.
0: I think Zerg over Protoss. Mm-hmm. Almost everybody goes Zerg over Protoss, except me. That's one of the reasons why when I play Starcraft, I'm always getting destroyed oh, it's Terran. because it's Zerg. So it's, uh, good
1: Protoss, Protoss here.
0: <laughs> so yeah, we've discovered that we're not we're not a Zerg group. <laughs> <laughs> but Yeah. Okay. Um. Anybody have anything else to say on this before we move on to the outro? No. Uh, Joe, I'm stepping on your foot now.
2: Ow! Blizzard Watch is made possible due to the generous contributions at patreon.com slash blizzardwatch. Your continued support means that this podcast site and community is able to thrive and grow. Blizzard Watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast a better chance at having your question answered on our podcast with a queue and an ad-free site experience.
0: Uh, thank you, Joe. Thank you, Liz, by the way, for the list of stuff to discuss today, because you, you did that whole thing and it was really good and it ended up using up a good chunk of this show. So There's it's so good much fun. Yeah. So thank you. And thank you to everybody who's listening for doing that, because otherwise it would just be us talking in a channel for an hour. And I mean, we can do that, but it's not a podcast. We,
1: we can and we do. We
0: talk yes. every day. But this has been the Bliss Watch podcast. Thank you guys so much for being here with us, and we will be back next week.